0: I'm 35 with no kids, and I can't fathom putting two human beings successfully through life like my mom did with me.
1: James Chapman is the founder and CEO of Plain Sight, a social networking platform for like-minded people to connect with each other in virtual and physical spaces. He has spent the bulk of his career creating spaces for ambitious people to come together. In 2015, he began an evening workspace for side hustlers to collaborate with each other, which led to the idea for his current startup. In 2017, he started and ran Detroit Demo Day, which has since provided over $4 million in funding to small businesses throughout the city of Detroit, the majority of which have been minority, and women-owned. And I'm proud to call Chap a good friend and have him here with us today. Chap, uh, it's been really a pleasure of mine to uh, get to know you and the group at at Summit Junto. You know, I've really enjoyed that experience. It's been a kind of quick but deep bond that's already forming. And so it's an honor to have you on and have you uh, share your story with me and with our audience.
0: Yeah, man. Like, likewise. I, I really enjoyed our conversations through the Junto program. And you and I have had one on one on time as well outside of that. And it's been good to get to know your story a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad we're we're chopping it up here again um, and kind of uh, going deeper on, on some of those things that we may have uh, touched on a, a little bit already before. So So thanks again for having me, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. So um, let's start kind of early life. Tell me about your childhood, your family dynamics, what it was like for, for you as a young chap.
0: Yeah, yeah. Young young chap was um, was a wild kid, had a lot of energy, man, a lot of just like pent up energy, played a lot of sports. I I probably had a basketball in my hands as early as two, three years old and played basketball for a long time. Um, my first love, family. We we grew up. Man, we moved around a lot. To be honest with you, so I, I started off in a place called Maurice Paz Homes housing projects in in Chattanooga. That closed down, and we moved to East Lake, another housing projects area. Uh, my mom and dad split around eight, and so stayed with mom. Me and my older sister. My older sister, uh, eight years older than me. And so, like, while my mom was hustling and busting her ass, like, trying to get us into good schools and get us into better neighborhoods and all of that kind of stuff, I really remember my sister, honestly, helping me with my homework, you know, making sure I showered up and got ready for bed, like, all of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. um, because mom just worked crazy hours all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a nurse, and so then, you know, went to nursing school and all of that stuff, so... um, you know, grow, growing up was, uh, I, I think it taught me to be very independent, right? Because when your mom's not not around and, and, and you see how hard she's working and then your sister's so mature, but she's still your sister and shit, like it just kind of, I, I learned to be very independent from a, from a very early age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me just
1: hop in there because, you know, I, I'm curious to kind of dig into that a little deeper with you. You yeah. know, you kind of make it sound fairly benign and normal you know that you know you're you're growing up in in this housing project and moving from one to another and your father you know your parents split you know yeah. the, the the which i get that's like your experience right and and i yeah. found kind of in my own life that you can kind of like you know look at something even with some hindsight and see how maybe it was really a good thing but but i think you know when you go through that kind of early childhood, there's a, there's a sense of of kind of minimizing it to some degree, uh, and I don't want to say you're guilty of that, but I I just want to make sure we like highlight like yeah. uh, you know tell me about it. What was it yeah. like? What what is your recollection? Was it just your experience? You know, and and kind of in hindsight, like was it hard? Was it tough? Was it yeah. what what was it like to be in those kind of early difficult years?
0: I honestly didn't really know they were difficult until I got older and I had a chance to reflect that. Mm-hmm. It seemed normal because because everybody else around me that I interacted with on a daily basis, that was their story too. It was like, oh, my dad's gone, your dad's gone. Uh I'll, like, uh, you know, I we're I'm borrowing clothes from my cousins and wearing my cousins' clothes and stuff, and like so are you, like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like as I probably got to around like high school, I started to realize that damn man, how we've been coming up was kind of wild and, and kind of rough. Uh, but you're so young, man; you don't even know that you're poor when you're when you're that young and you're poor. You just think that this is life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I I had a lot of frustrating moments. I was bad as hell in school, so I would I would get in trouble a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it, especially. When I'll never forget, like my mom got me into this school called uh, Chattanooga Schools for the Liberal Arts, and she got me into the school because she had to sleep outside in like a like a camping bag type shit because it was like this new school that opened up and everybody's trying to get in like first come first serve type of shit. So she and a couple other people like camped out trying to be first to make sure that that I got into the school. I had no idea she made those kind of sacrifices in, until I got older. Uh, but once I got into the school and it was this mixed school and, you know, there were some people from, you know, kind of rough neighborhoods, but it was a lot of kids that that weren't. Man, I was just like trying to adapt to that, that kind of those systems and a new culture of and way of doing things. And so I was constantly just in trouble for doing shit that I would do in the hood. It was cool, you know, to, to do it at some of these other schools that do it. like the fighting and the and the cursing and the, all the other random shit in um, dealing with that pent up energy. I, I thought that it was OK to do in normal environments, but it wasn't until I got exposed to some other kids in different schools. I was like, oh, shit, like I'm actually not supposed to behave like this. Like yeah. This- this actually isn't how it's supposed to work. So yeah, I think, I think that that was more so the the experience. I thought it was normal.
1: Yeah, well, and 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 it was like you said, like you know, that was kind of what you saw around you, and if you were comparing notes and you didn't have any other perspective, then you know, this is you know, kind of how how just how it went, and, yeah. and you know, but it's interesting that you know you 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 kind of like you know had to see something else to realize how you were even being, you know, and I think this is really important because I, I think a lot of kids, especially they act out. Right. And, and they, and they're labeled bad or wrong, or they're not smart. You know, if you're not doing well in school, right. or and it's, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. And it's such a miss. It's such a miss because it's all about energy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had other stuff going on that you couldn't name. You know, you didn't know. It was just like the experience of life you were having. But there was yeah. something in your body, this energy that was making you act another way, right? Yeah. Because you had a need that was, was you know, needing yeah. to be met somewhere. But I, I just think this is like a, a real miss in our society and in our education system. Not not entirely. There's plenty of amazing teachers out there and and, and, and people that understand this. But by and large, I think too many kids are labeled good and bad. You know, too many kids are like acting out versus behaving, you know, and it's, and it's kind of bullshit, you know, like, you know, everybody's got their shit. They're just handling it differently.
0: That's right. That's right. And everybody's got like their story and and there needs to be some room for grace and empathy there. Right. So like, I remember in middle school, bro, like I had a guidance counselor that I would have to see often because of, you know, behavioral stuff. And her name, her last name was Chapman. Like we had the the white lady, but she's got the same last name. So immediately like we kind of had this, this little bond thing going on. Um, And she really kind of gravitated to me uh, particularly. And I'll never forget like Mrs. Chapman, she would tell me like, you gotta stop letting people push your buttons. Mm -hmm. Like that still sticks to me when I, like I'm 35 years old now. (laughs) And like, when I look back on it, it was like, yeah, I was just reacting to shit. Mm -hmm. And I was reacting to things the best way that I knew how. Like like one, one instance when I got into a fight in school, bro, I've been writing my pen pal all year. The pen pals, you know, they come and visit finally at the end of the year. And we're outside at recess and this kid trips me and I roll. And so I'm so pissed because I'm embarrassed in front of my pen pal and shit that when I get up and I Find that kid. I mean, I just wear into him. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's an example where like in the hood, you don't really get like conflict resolution skills Mm -hmm. and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't know how how to how to react and deal with things that I didn't like. You know what I'm saying? And and she was probably the first one that like opened my mind like. You know you don't have to react this way. Mm-hmm. You know that people are going to push your buttons. You know mm-hmm. that this is just you know how, how the world works. Things are, are not going to go your way, and you can react in, in, in different ways. So you're right, man. There, there needs to be more, more room for, like, not cut the labeling and all of that type of stuff out. Let's start pulling back the layers mm-hmm. and get a good understanding of, of what's going on. But that takes time, and I, I don't think everybody always takes the time to do that.
1: Well, yeah. And I think that some people never really get that point. I mean, you know, I'll tell you at my age and stage of life, I am still learning how to not let people push my buttons. You know, I mean, this is like a thing that, you know, I think we tend to react in ways that oftentimes are connected to our childhood, right? That, that, inner child right that still is kind of in the driver's seat in your adult life and you know people still push your buttons right and so like i've had to learn you know the concept of boundaries right there are times where you you do need to draw a line you know have a boundary speak up for yourself and then there's times where you got to let things go right, right. and sometimes you got to do both right, right. you got to speak up and let it go cuz and, and but but you know, I'm learning that at my age, you know, yeah. to to you know expect a kid to understand that kind of you know concept, especially like you said, you know, I, I don't know of any place at, at, at a young age where they're teaching kids about conflict resolution, they probably should, yeah. you know, that we probably sh- that's the kind of stuff we probably should be learning, but yeah. we don't. We we yeah. learn it if we're lucky through experience or somebody like you know, Mrs. Chapman who comes along and and you know
0: kind of gets you. Touches you, yeah. And then I'll, I'll I'll do you another one on on that same point. Like now that I think about it, also growing up, my mom and my sister, we were taught like if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Mm-hmm. You don't let any you don't let anybody bully you. you. Don't let anybody run over you. Because again, the environment that we're in, if if I had this kind of passive attitude to like dealing with stuff, those kids would kick my ass all day every day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. It was kind of instilled in me like, no, that that's not how you handle things. Someone puts their hands on you, you you send a message, like you defend yourself, you send, you know what I mean? And yeah. so like it, it, it was kind of like these mixed messages a little like a, a little bit from from one environment until an extreme other. and it took me a little while to kind of get a hold on that, to be honest.
1: yeah, well, and, and tell me about kind of getting a hold on it because I'm curious, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know this stuff that we learn. Which you know we maybe uh, don't want to really use all the time, uh, or we learn isn't really benefiting us, serving us anymore. Can still serve to your benefit, right? right? So, like, I'm wondering, you know, how you've learned to kind of have like, don't mess with me, you know, you know, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back, um, versus like some other maybe more. I don't know, mature, peaceful way, like both can really be of benefit to you if you know how to discern
0: between the two, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, because e- even as an adult, right? Like, and as we get families and, and kids and all of that kind of stuff, like we're supposed to protect and provide, right? So like like that part of it is still there. Like don't let anybody mess with your family. Don't let anybody, me- you know, so so that that part of it is still there. But but I agree. I, I think if I think about my own journey at, from from like that evolution of that, it started with church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So my mom started like realizing that okay, putting this kid on punishment and like like spanking his ass, when he does, you know, stuff that that's like that ain't working. Like like he's absorbing that, and he's just on to the next thing. You know what I'm saying? And so she like basically forced me to go to church. Like I had to go to Sunday school, vacation, Bible school, Wednesday night service, like, like you name it. If the church was having something, I I was there. Right. Mm -hmm. But what it actually gave me was like that peace and that kind of balance of like being around in in yet another environment that literally kind of teaches you like how to deal with the world. And like, especially how to deal with conflict, like a lot of stuff you learn in church has to do with like how you treat your neighbor and conflict, like all of these other things, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was kind of like the turning point for me because I started building a stronger relationship with God. And then it was certain things I just didn't want to do anymore because I felt like, then I started to feel like it was inappropriate to do because of my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And how old were you
1: you when you started to develop a relationship with God?
0: This was probably 14. So uh-huh. I, I was I was about 14 when I started to develop, a, a, like start to get an understanding of, of how God could kind of fit into my life and like praying on a regular basis and yeah. that kind of stuff. And so then, then I started to say, well, you know what? Everything's not worth the fight. I was still to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let anybody like push over me and I'm going to like, let people know that, like, I'm not somebody that you should mess with. Mm-hmm. But I was picking and choosing my battles a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because of that that relationship with God. And I think that regardless of, of your religious beliefs or whatever the case may be, that part is like, you have to pick and choose your battles, mm-hmm. right? You can't, you, everything can't be a fight and everything can't be flight, right? Yes. It's got to be the, this balance of the two and I think that's the point when I really started to, to try to find that balance is through, through God.
1: Yeah, and that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, religion can be really a, a powerful force. Oftentimes, it gets kind of a bad rap and, and maybe for good reason. But when you're able to, to kind of look at the, the messaging, you know, the, um, I don't know, the morals, the ethics, the, the way of living, yeah. That often is found in ancient religions. Right. There's a lot to learn there, right? If you're able to just kind of almost look at it as like a self-help book, right? right. But but then you know to actually have a relationship with a higher power, you know, can really be a very uh, moving experience.
0: That's right. Yeah, because like a lot of this stuff with religion, man the the found the foundations and principles. Are very very similar and they they cross over a lot um, and, and you can you can take it I, th- I think you said it best like a self help book right and, and that can serve you well if, if you kind of have that that perspective I mean and everybody's different but but you're right also when I started to form the relationship and the things started to like like seep in then it was on a deeper level now it was kind of like I don't even want to do some of these other things that like I I I may wanted to do before because I feel like this higher power that I serve we're going to be off like 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 if there's going to there's going to be something off there between me and God if if I'm acting an ass and know that I'm acting an ass with some stuff because mm-hmm. like there were some things where like I wasn't a victim like I knew that I was doing some bad shit you yeah. know what I mean and that's, that started to kind of ba- balance itself out for sure yeah. once, I, once I felt like I had a strong relationship.
1: Yeah, because you then have this thing where you feel like maybe you're out of balance, like you're out of alignment, you know, these colliding forces where you know, the way you're being doesn't feel like who you actually are. And then that becomes so uncomfortable that you, you, you stop doing the thing. Mm -hmm, I mean, not everybody mm -hmm. you did. So tell me a little bit um, more about your, your sister, your mom. I mean, they sound like pretty amazing people. I mean, your mom sounds like she's hustling and loving her kids and doing every, everything she can. And your sister's there to kind of step in and really care, care for you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah tell me a little bit of, more about about in their role in your life.
0: yeah, man. Two of the strongest uh not just women man, just people that i that I've ever met, uh, to be honest with you, you know, my mom had my sister when she was sixteen,
1: mm.
0: and so she's a kid, and my <laughs> sister's dad was gone, uh, and then eight years later, me and, and so like I can't i'm thirty five with no kids, and I can't fathom putting two human beings. Successfully through life, like my mom did with me and myself. Like I don't I don't know how she did that actually, especially at the age that she was. So that's a, that's impressive in itself. And then man, I will fast forward a little bit and we can bounce back and forth when I when I tell you this, but my sister ended up committing suicide. Mm. Right. So she's no longer with us. And uh how old were you when that happened? I was in college. I just graduated. Last time I had talked with her, we talked we were we were prepping my college graduation party plans and all of that type of stuff. Uh-huh. So I'm in Virginia. she's still back home in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then I get the news that 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 she ended up committing suicide. And so, like you think about it, she was the one that helped me with my homework. She was the one that stayed on my ass, made sure I got through high school, stayed focused on sports, blah, 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 blah blah, go to college. And to just kind of have the rug literally ripped from up under you, that was a pivotal moment in life. Oh my like god. Like that completely changed my life because she was like my mom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I had two moms. Uh, and so and, and and so when when she left, my life became very, very different.
1: Yeah, very I'm different. just uh, I'm just touched by even hearing that story, imagining just the Heartbreak and the shock. Um, I mean, was it shocking? Did you, you know, expect anything remotely like like this possible?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, my sister had always dealt with like she struggled with weight loss and, and, and I think confidence in that area, but I never saw it, saw that coming to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. like to just lay it out plain. I, I, I never saw that. Um, she was very successful, so she, uh, Graduated um, from Fisk University um, from uh, for her bachelor's, went on to get her master's from TSU. She was an auditor for the state of Tennessee. Married. By the time she had committed suicide, she had a three-year-old, my nephew, who I'm I'm very close with. On paper, house two car, like on paper, she's like living the American dream, right? Like like house picket fence kid, you know, uh, two degrees and shit. Stable job, good income. So no, I, I, I honestly didn't didn't quite see it coming. And we were so close. Um, like, like when we would get into shit, we would take up for each other. Like it wasn't like she was snitching on me, the mom, and I'm snitching on her. We're like huddling up, like, how can we get away with some shit? Like, yeah. like we were, we were thickest thieves. And so, yeah, that was that was hard. Yeah. That was, that was, and it still is hard, honestly. Yeah. Even,
1: even yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that last part because um, that's the kind of thing that can really stick with you for a lifetime. And, you know, it can be in varying levels of hard and you can choose how to be with it and how it can serve you and how you want to, what you want to do with it. But, you know, it's still a loss of, of a, a loss of, of somebody that you know was really really important to
0: you, and, and that you, know, you love. to cut you off. That's you know, okay. one thing she told me, I'll, I'll never forget. She told me, and I forget how old we were, but she was like, "I never got a childhood." And for some reason, like like, like mm-hmm, that that, mm-hmm. Stick, that 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 that's what, another one of those things that always sticks out. Mm-hmm at some point she told me, she was like, I never really got a childhood. Mm-hmm. And as I think about it, there was no way she could have got a childhood because she was basically raising, you know to me. My yeah. mom was My mom was gone, her dad's gone or whatever. So like, that, that was one of the things that like kind of always stuck with me too was her, her saying that like, I, ne- man, I never got a childhood.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so
0: sorry, sorry to cut you No, no, no. Here.
1: I think that's really important. I'm glad you shared it. And I, I'm curious, you know, then what? You know what happens? You 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 shared that this you know changes your life. Obviously, yep. this is going to change your life. How?
0: Yep. So so we'll we'll catch up. I graduate high school. I get a basketball scholarship to go off to college. Play play ball, and I get that news, and then I come home. Right, and so it was like. I didn't get to finish my tests or some shit in college because I ended up coming. I, they had to delay, like some shit with my graduation was all finicky, but we ended up working that out or whatever. So I come home and I immediately just like matured. It was like I grew up overnight and, and it was because everybody always was depending on Toya. She was like the one in the family that got her shit together. Nobody else had, had like gone off to college, graduated two degrees, was doing well, giving people money in the family and that kind of shit. And so now that she's gone and I just graduated college and now I've got my nephew who I'm extremely close with, right? I just assumed so much responsibility and not that people put responsibility on me, but I feel like I just like started snatching it up. And started like asking my mom, what can I do for my nephew? Like, what, what do I need?" I, I just heard I, it, it, another gear just like hit for me. I felt like I had to like, like take my shit up a notch. So much so that I don't even think I mourned as much during that time because I just immediately started to assume so much responsibility. And that, that was a pivotal bo- moment for me. I ended up going off to play basketball down in Mexico. Um, so I, I did a season down there. I got paid to play, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it was a switch, man, that just hit on for me. That I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna get it by any means." Because now I'm the guy. Like, like she's gone. I'm the guy now that that has to do all of the all of the providing and, and the front work.
1: Yeah, I wondered, you know, what was underneath that? If it was about, you know, <clears throat> needing to provide, or if it was also about you know, wanting to give back since, you know, she had given so much to you, you know, obviously this, this message that, you know, she didn't have a childhood. I'm wondering, you know, kind of how that made you feel relative to your nephew. You know, I know he's so important to you and, and, you know, what was it that, you know, you kind of were thinking as far as what you wanted to give to him? Yep.
0: Yep. You you nailed it. I, I mean, I poured a lot of energy into him. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I still do. Some of my friends are like, "Man, that's slick." Like your son, man. Like you, you, <laughs> you, are, you are that kid, man. Y'all, are, y'all are thinking season. Like our, our birthdays are two days apart. You know what I mean? And she tried to have him on my birthday. Like she was literally trying to get him out on the twenty on the twenty second, but he ended up coming up on the twenty fourth and shit. And so, uh, man, when you see a three year old just confused. He was just confused. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's crying. He's hurt. He doesn't know why. And so I made sure that, like, he didn't... I tried to make sure that he didn't have an effed-up childhood so, to that point. Like, I, I wanted to make sure everything was just easy breezy for him because now he's three years old and he's already starting off the world without a mom. Yeah. And that's hard. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, And, and yeah. so I, I tried to do everything I could to make sure he was going
1: to be straight. Yeah. And, and chap, tell me as a kid growing up, you know, obviously basketball is a big part of your life. Word. You go away, you you play in college, you go to Mexico, you play professionally. Tell, tell me, was it all basketball? Were there other interests? You know, what, what kind of was like maybe starting to find its way in um, or does, or, or does nothing other than basketball kind of, Uh, energize you until you start to get to this stage in life? Yeah.
0: um, So in college, I think I started to become very curious about business and entrepreneurship. And I, I kind of fell into it because I got tired of calling home, asking my mom for money to go out to the movies and shit. So like when you're a collegiate athlete, and I'm a huge advocate for like I wasn't as good as some of these guys that played UNC and Duke and these like top schools and that kind of stuff that bring all these fans and bring all this money for for these institutions. Basketball in school, and that's it. You don't have time to work. All of my other friends that didn't play sports, they were working little odds and ends, jobs, work studies, and that kind of stuff to be able to like have money in their pocket or their parents just had enough money to bless them. I I didn't really have that. And so like I started being curious about like okay, how can I kind of get out here and get it on the side. You know what I mean? So um I started selling shoes. And because like I was in Bumblefuck like Virginia and there wasn't like a big finish line put actually in that kind of stuff. So I would order shoes online from overseas to like mark them up and like sell them and that, that kind of stuff. And that's how I took girls to the movies. That's how I like ate out. You know what I'm saying? And eventually my parents were like, you don't need any money, like you don't need us to send you fifty dollars. It's like you are is everything okay. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Like I've been yeah. selling shoes. I've been making you know yeah. a little money here and there. So that was cool. I, I think that's when I started become, be, became very like fascinated with entrepreneurship and just being a self-starter.
1: You know, it, it's a funny thing because, you know, today there's so much conversation about entrepreneurship and there's, I think, a different uh, language, a different understanding, a different kind of support system for people to uh, acknowledge entrepreneurs as like a real profession. You know, like when when I went to school, it was like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to go into real estate. You're going to go into banking. You're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, right? Like pick a profession, right? And entrepreneurship wasn't as much of a, like it started, well, there's now a program, right? But But like, I love the idea that you were just trying to figure out how to like take girls to the movies, right? And you were just like. How could I do that? Well, if I sell this shoe, I'll make this money and then I'll, right? And like you didn't want to ask your parents. And so it was like there was something there that was just like fueling you that was just called life, you know? And and you wanted to solve for it. But really, like that's what entrepreneurship really should be. It's almost like it's gotten away to become this like Mm -hmm. career, you know, Mm -hmm. in some ways. And what I think a lot of people miss in it is that really you just want to be solving problems. That you and I like the problems that I am experiencing in my own life, that's it. right? The things that I'm trying to accomplish for myself, and it's not because I'm selfish. It's because if it's a problem for me, there's a problem for other people too. That's it. And if you can make it personal, you know, then you can really feel connected and passionate about it. That, that's that's it. just what it you know sounds like you were doing, like
0: just intuitively. Yeah, and, to, and not 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 planned at all. It was a problem that I was facing. I saw an opportunity that I could solve it. It didn't take up too much time because I was emailing people, people overseas in like China. And so like I could do that at night, right? Because like I'm sending the emails at like midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. That's when they're really doing business. I can still get up and go to class in the morning. So like it just kind of worked for me. Uh, and, and you're right. I do think from a societal standpoint, good and bad. We've kind of gotten away from that and started to treat it like a real profession. And when that happens, you start pouring more resources into it and that kind of stuff and education around it, which I wish I had because a lot of stuff I just learned by trial and error. Um, but but that's that was my first taste of entrepreneurship. And after college, I mean, after my hoop dream, so like I went to play down in the NBA development league in Dallas. Right, there was the feeder team to the Mavericks. I got cut after training camp. And that's when I went back home to Chattanooga and I just started like working a job that I fucking hated. And then I started to get back in, into business and entrepreneurship because the, now I've been bitten by the bug mm-hmm. and I know what it's like to be like, you know what? I don't like this, but I know how to kind of like get it myself and like solve problems and that kind of stuff. So then I started to gravitate more to business because I didn't like the work that I was in. Uh-huh. Right, So it's two different reasons when I started to take it more serious. Yeah. You do have some uh,
1: James Harden vibes. I'm just saying, I don't know if you've ever been told that before. <laughs> not the first time. Not.
0: not, <laughs> uh, it's good. not
1: the, That's good. That's a good thing. We're, we're big Harden fans in this house. I, uh, I, yeah. I'll take it. He's a baller. Sure. He is. He is. Okay. So uh, yeah. Tell me then what, you know, you, you're, you're kind of getting into this entrepreneurial world and it's for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the bug now and you've, yeah. you've kind of you know, put your toe in it. Um, yeah. what, what happens from there?
0: Yeah. So first business I started was a, a mobile oil change business. I've never changed oil a day in my life. Uh, but like I was working this nine to five and this desk job and I could never find time to go get my oil change. And I was like started doing research on if it's like possible to do mobile oil changes. I kind of looked up a lot of YouTube videos and then hired a mechanic. When they told me, I, I took out a loan for like $30,000. I got approved for a $30,000 loan to start this mobile oil change business. They told me on like a Monday that I was approved for the loan. I wrote my fucking like, letter of, of, of resignation on a Tuesday and like, I was out on Wednesday. Like I just went for it, uh, just, just blind into it. And it didn't work. Uh, like, like it started off cool, right? And like, like you know, we got some clients and, and started to do some things. But every day waking up changing oil or thinking about oil changes bored the shit out of me, right? I was like, okay, like I know now I want to be an entrepreneur and I know now that this isn't it. And I'm really fascinated about the journey, right? And so I ended up starting this like co-working space for side hustlers because when I got approved for the funding and when I started doing the oil change business, people were just hitting me up all the time. Like, yo, how'd you get this funded? And how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I opened up this space for these side hustlers to come and collaborate and make these like these collisions. And I started to really fall in love with that piece of it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, okay, like this, this I could do like this. I I really like, and I started focusing more on the co-working space stuff than I did on, on the oil change business and just completely got away from, from the oil change. It started pouring into the people, yeah. right, the people side of like this journey and making connections. Yeah. And I think
1: you're highlighting another really important point in this entrepreneurial journey, which is you don't want to solve every problem, right? You know, you had a problem, the oil change problem. I actually had a buddy pitch me on doing the same thing for um, getting gas in your car, you know, that... People don't want to take the time. They'll come pick it up, bring it back, whatever, you, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, it's a good problem, um, you know, but like, is it the problem that you want to solve? Is it the way you want to spend your time? And yeah, you know, I love, and this is really one of the things that I enjoy about this podcast is you get to kind of see how you think maybe you've got something that matters, but really it's only there for you to kind of see something else that matters more to you. And you kind of keep kind of doing that. And maybe you do that the rest of your life, you know, but, but, you know, sometimes things stick a little bit more, last a little longer. And and so you got to see like, well, by going through this journey, there's a real need for other people who are just kind of going through it. And how can I, how can I create something
0: around that, which which you did like to spend your time doing? That's right. Because now... I can wake up every day problem solving around something that I really care about. And so I'm not going to get burnt out on the problem. I'm always going to be like trying to be the best at solving this particular problem because I care about it. It speaks to me. I've been through it. You know what I mean? I know what it takes. I've done it well. And like how how I got into like technology in plain sight was from that space. I never planned on getting into tech. I, I'm, a, I'm a non-technical founder. I know nothing about like coding or anything of that nature. But I was like, okay, something that you said earlier, if I'm having this problem, so are other people. I was like, well, you know what? If the people who are in my space are trying to connect with each other and they're trying to leverage these meaningful connections for their journey, other people must be trying to do that as well. And tech can help me do that at scale. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's literally how I felt, fell into tech. If you would have told like, a 10 year old chap who was in school acting out that like 35 year old chap is going to have like a mobile app, like be a CEO of a tech company, like dude, I would have never, I would have, ne- I would have called complete bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I just really kind of fell into this stuff. But now I have my, my path. Like mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That helps entrepreneurial-minded people, and that's it. And like, like that—that's me. And it'll look different in a number of different ways, uh, but but that's how I'm showing up in the world. Okay, so tell me—you
1: know—you you've created this this space for for side hustles and, and people to collaborate, um, which which led to the idea for your current startup. So, yeah. kind of tell me about kind of how that led to to what you're doing
0: now. So with the space, man, the number one question people would ask me when, when I would open up the space is like, you know, chap, who's in the space right now or who's going to be at the space tonight? Or can you help me get connected to somebody that does this or that? And so I was like, man, these hyper local connections, like like technology could replace me like like there there should be something for people to just have this information readily available. And I got to thinking about like how. I'm only where I am really because of like the meaningful connections that I was able to make along the way. And what if I would have missed out on those? Like, like, what if I didn't have somebody to make introductions for me? And like all of this type of stuff. And so that's what led to the idea for, for playing side is trying to solve that problem for people who are in shared spaces, hyper-local to be able to make meaningful connections with each other based on their needs. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was the reason why we started the platform, um, to a year ago. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, um, and that brought you to Detroit, right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, relationship with Dan Gilbert, you yeah. know, tell me a little bit about kind of about that. that experience. Yeah, and then, and
0: then, yeah, uh, I, I, when I went to go work for Dan, that, and that was I was that was when I was had the idea for Plain Sight back in a napkin, and uh, there was no point to go to business school when you go work for Dan Gilbert, right? Like I learned everything that I needed to know, not everything because okay. I'm still learning a lot, but I learned so much from working for Dan and working in venture and and trying to like I, I built this pitch competition for him Detroit Demo Day. We do a million dollars annually for local uh, entrepreneurs to be able to grow and scale their businesses, and 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 that experience with helping people get connected to human to monetary capital really made me realize that I, I needed to pour into the playing side to help people get connected to human capital, mm-hmm. and, and so that was the that was the big thing. And so I ended up telling Dan, I was like, look, man, I've enjoyed this demo day thing. I've got this idea. I can't stop thinking about. Uh, and he's like, look, go off, do your thing. I, I support you, but tell me, like, what 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 are you doing? Like, what's the idea? And I was like, Dan, angel investor and uh and a, a startup founder in a coffee shop. Uh and they hold the door for each other on the way out, compliment each other on each other's glasses. They never talk to each other because they have no idea. And he said, I haven't heard an idea that I like in a really long time, and I really like this idea. <laughs> uh and that that's when he decided to to become uh, not just my uh my boss uh but but then decided that he wanted to be an investor in in what I was building um because he saw the vision and 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 he kind of got what I what I was going for there so I've been extremely blessed man to be honest with you to to kind of have this this path and this journey and, and have somebody pour into me the the way that he did yeah and
1: I I've got a uh a little sneaking suspicion that it wasn't just the idea um right. that he 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 saw something in you and, and you were maybe what he was investing in, uh, in addition to the idea, because it's a great idea, right? But, you know, as we all know, and, and anyone I've ever invested in, you want to invest in the human being that believes in what they're doing and has the, I don't know whether it's all the skills, but you've got at least like the, the kind of inherent uh, DNA that you need yeah. to, to make something happen. And I'm sure yeah. he saw that too. He calls it
0: betting on the jockey and not the horse. Yeah, he'll, exactly. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you a thousand percent, I bet on jockeys and not horses. You you find a jockey who's obsessed with the problem, they'll end up figuring it out if yeah. you find the right jockey. And it's going to be messy in the beginning and whatever, but like find the jockey. Yeah. Find the jockey. And that that, you nailed it exactly.
1: Yeah. So Chap, tell me this past year has been, <laughs> has been something right i mean you know you got pandemic you know that's obviously got an impact on your business you've got you know the the civil unrest the the murder of george floyd and ron taylor and, and and all that's been it's going awesome. on in this country um tell me about what your last year's been like
0: mm, 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 mm. you know it's almost like where the hell do you start right yeah. so like I created a, a app for in-person networking five months before a global pandemic. So that's first, right? And so now- Yeah, that happened. That, that happened. Right. And, and, like we secured a partnership with Delta for their sky lounges in February. So every Delta sky lounge in the country listed on the platform. They're like, "Yep, yeah, we love this. Let, let's do this. We'll push this out to our members. Um, they give us the ability to go to any sky lounge of our choosing once a month and activate the lounge we picked the Austin Sky Lounge during South by Southwest. That's when we were really going to like pour it all out and lean all into this thing. And you know the rest. And so that knocked me on my heels and, and forced us to start thinking about how can we still provide value during this time as we're starting to think about that and, and starting to work our way through it. The the incident, not incident, the murder of George Floyd. happened, And so now... I'm trying to go through and pivot and and problem solve, and I'm distracted. 2020 has been the most distracting year of my entire life because every day is something. You've got friends getting sick. You've got people who you know who are dying. You've got the civil unrest and the racial injustices that are happening, right? And then here I am, like running a a, a pre-seed startup, trying to get that thing going, so, like, man, 2020, honestly, hit, was, was very, very challenging. But what it taught me, what it taught me, Brett, was take your mental health serious. Mm. Like, like that's the number one thing that I'm going to be carrying into this year. Take your meditation practice seriously. Take your fitness serious. Who you have conversations with and who you allow in your circle and, and the the energy that that you allow people to bring upon you, take all of that very serious. I deleted Facebook. I got rid of some friends out of my life that I that no longer serve purpose in, in my in my journey and in, in my development. And um and 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 I was unapologetic about all of it. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of had to had to be that way to power through to be able to find the mental space to now get into a a, a place where we can have plain sight providing value, right? And so now things are good. Like, like, but because this this gift and the curse with the pandemic, we're this mix of hyper-local and, and also like this blend of in-person and virtual, which that's going to be our life for who knows how long, right? And so now we can actually provide a lot of value there. And I'm excited for that. But man, lessons learned from 2020, you got to take care of your mental space. You got to take care of your mental health. Because yeah. if I wouldn't have, we would have packed it up and we'd have been done. Yeah, you know, I am so
1: happy that you landed there with that message. Cause I, I was curious and I was going to ask you a little bit more about kind of your sister and and yeah. and you know kind of how you have processed that and learned to deal with it. And I and I do want to know about that, but but the, yeah. the fact that you've kind of landed on that being the learning, you know, I often have a lot of Personal hesitation in talking about 2020 as a a, a year of profound learning and growth sure. for me that's what it's been. But I'm super privileged, you know. I, I I'm not somebody that is um, being you know discriminated against and yeah. persecuted and and who worries about going for a run, right? And 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 all of the things that I know. Getting pulled over or, or yes. Those yes. Yes. And 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 I'm also, you know, not worried about my health. And I'm not worried about my financial status. I mean, I I'm I'm like incredibly privileged to say that this has been a learning of growth, a year of growth for me and a year mm-hmm. of learning. But but you know, I think that it really can be that for all of us, right? That no matter kind of how hard it is. That you can try to improve your situation, even if it's just a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. I know that's not easy. I know that is is way harder for some people, and some people like maybe it's not even possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. our system is so uh, corrupt or, or or you know off track that it, it for some people it might not even be possible. Mm-hmm. I, I I hope that's not true, but but I I I'm open to the possibility that that could be even be true. Mm-hmm. But but I love hearing that for you. Um, what you chose to do, despite all that was wrong about what was going on in this year, I mean, you came up with a great idea. You were executing. You're mm-hmm. about to really take a massive jump. I mean, the South by you know uh, launch is like the perfect, right? Like this is, this is, and, and then a fucking pandemic, like what the hell, you know, like totally out of your control, you know, and you've chosen to take all of this and come back to, I'm going to work on my mental health. And, and, you know, I just really admire that that's, that's who you are, that that's how you decided to process all of this and show up in the world. And there's no question that is going to serve you for a long time to come.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I, I appreciate th- those words genuinely. First off, uh, and then second off, you may you're you're right. I, it is. Um. I encourage anybody who's listening, watching, whatever. Man, like this stuff is hard out here, and it's very very difficult. And I have a lot of privilege as well. Right. Like like I may not have the same privileges that you have based on like where I am in my life and journey and where you are in yours. But I for sure know a whole lot of people who are in worse situations that, that I am. And I, I talk with a lot of them on, on a regular basis. And that's my message to them as well. So, look, man, you can't control this stuff that's going on. And it is fucked up out here, like yeah. seriously. Uh, but you've got to take care of your, your mental health because going back to Toya, right, right? I want to believe that if she would have had that same kind of urgency around taking care of her mental health, but whatever it was that she was going to, because we'll never know, then I may still be able to kick it with her. Yeah. I, may, I may still be able to have those moments with her. And, and I've seen people take themselves off of this earth for a whole lot less, literally, like literally in, in close proximity to those things. And I didn't want to get into a dark place like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're an entrepreneur. We pour everything into our businesses. We, we, you know what I mean? It's a part of us, especially when it's something that, that we love. And, and it, it, I did have a, a few moments of feeling like something had been stripped away from me or taken away from me or this isn't fair. And then like seeing how this country that I lives in doubling down on that shit, like treating black people and like how they think about black people and handle black people. I was in a dark ass place. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, like, I had to take care of my mental. Yeah. And, and, and because I did that, that's made all the difference, bar none.
1: Yeah. Bar enough. And, and, you know, you can't bring your sister back, but what you can do, in addition to making sure you know how to get out of the dark place, is you are sharing that story, you're yeah. sharing that message, you are showing up vulnerably. Yep. and 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 talking about subjects that unfortunately men still struggle with people still Man. struggle with, right to say I needed to focus on my mental health right um as the number about? one priority right you are you are I believe going to prevent this from happening for other people, and that could be the greatest thing that comes of your Sister's passing, right? Is that you can't bring her back, but you can sure as hell try to help other people end up in that same spot. And yep. just you know, a um, lot of gratitude for you showing up that way in the world and doing the work you're doing and sharing your story with me, taking this time. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great, man. Tell me uh, any final thoughts you want to share with the uh, with the listener.
0: Yeah, man. Just um, you know, everybody be well. Um, you know, t- take this thing, take this stuff day by day. Um, you know, it's if it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with you if if you go to counseling. <laughs> like 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 we all be, we like do whatever you need to do for your for your own mental space, and, and don't be ashamed of that. Um, you know, think outside the box when it when it comes to these things. Find your tribe, and and take care of yourself. You know, I, I would say that's my kind of my ending message. Is just be well, be good to yourself. And, and, and you know, the rest of the stuff will
1: start to follow. I love it. I love it. Be well, be good to yourself. Boy, is that really an important message. We all could be a little kinder to ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, and thanks for sharing that. Thanks for taking the time. We'll make yeah, sure bye. to uh, let everybody know in the notes where they can find you and yeah. follow you and all that cool, fun stuff because you're up to yeah. some really cool stuff. And it's just uh, an honor to be your friend and to, yeah,
0: to share same. this time with you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same. I, I appreciate the friendship. I appreciate the platform um, and, and shout out to what you guys are doing for creating space for, for these types of stories. I, I really mean that. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again whenever. We'll, 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 we'll figure out time. I've I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Great. Thanks, so, chat. Bye, bro.
1: Thank you for listening to The Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram, at thegravitypodcast. Music for of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver
0: Oak.